Welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location, whether physical or virtual. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I am a part of the Gestalt IT family, and I have a group of influencers and industry luminaries joining me today to discuss the premise of our episode. I'd like to take a moment for them to introduce themselves so you all know who they are, starting with Lee. Hi, Tom, and everybody else. I'm Lee Bedman. I work for a large private university as a wireless network architect, and I also play the part of the occasional IT analyst out there in industry land. Good to be here. All right. Thanks, Lee. Jennifer? Hi, my name is Jennifer Huber. I work for a large consulting company, um, remote worker, long time now. Um, so this is not a whole lot of shifting that we're doing, um, being virtual. You can find me on Twitter at Jennifer Lucille. I'd be glad to chat. Awesome. And Keith. Hi, my name is Keith Parsons. Uh, I run a little company called Wireless Land Professionals. Uh, we put on uh, podcasts as well as uh, blogs and, of course, the WLPC Wireless Land Professionals Conference. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at Keith R. Parsons. All right. Thank you all very much for joining us today. Let's jump into the premise of today's episode. You probably use Wi-Fi daily somehow, whether it's in your home or in a coffee shop when we used to be able to go to them and a variety of other places. But did you know that there are other wireless technologies out there that are not Wi-Fi? One of the ones that seems to be making a lot of inroads into uh, enterprises is something called private LTE, which comes in a variety of different flavors. Um, things like CBRS or OpenRAN are quickly becoming alternative technologies that enterprises are beginning to investigate as ways to augment or even replace what they are currently using. However, I don't think that private LTE is really going to be the 800 pound gorilla that ultimately displaces Wi-Fi out of the enterprise. In fact, that is the premise of today's episode, that private LTE will not replace Wi-Fi. Now, before we get into this, let's, let's kind of set the stage a little bit. Um, Keith, you've been around wireless for quite a while. Why don't you tell us what are the advantages that Wi-Fi has over um, something like LTE, something of, of a more of a broadband uh, cellular-based technology? Uh, yeah, Wi-Fi is a standard, 802.11, IEEE put it out. And being that, it's allowed to have lots and lots of manufacturers use chips. So the chips are very, very cheap. And so just starting with the chip cost alone, you can get some Wi-Fi chipsets for around a dollar a piece. So as a manufacturer, using Wi-Fi to put wireless in your devices is a way cheaper process. The second is also tied to money. People who set up Wi-Fi systems, hotspots in offices or coffee shops or even in your home, the actual traffic going across Wi-Fi is usually free. There's a couple who try to charge, but it, that's kind of died. The Wi-Fi is free, and you're usually limited on the backhaul out to the internet for whoever's providing that. Contrast that with cellular. The cellular chipsets cost more, as well as there's a cellular fee. Cellular companies love a term called ARPU, average revenue per user, and that's how they judge their success. So when you go to the cellular route, there is extra cost on hardware, extra cost on per byte traffic. But I'm sure you're gonna get to in a minute here, when you get to private LTE, some of those issues go away. 
Yeah, I would I would say you're probably right there. There's a lot of infrastructure that already supports what we're doing with Wi-Fi that makes it uh, well suited, and the fact that it's a, it's a fairly well developed technology at this point. I mean, you know, wireless the 802.11 standard has been around for gosh over 20 years now, and and it just we keep building on it and making things bigger and better. However. There are some challenges, and I want to jump over to Lee real quick, because Lee, you've fought this in your job quite a bit. There are some things that while we would wish we would have some kind of a wireless connectivity for it, Wi-Fi may not be best suited for that. Things like large public venues or large outdoor areas. Could you give us a little bit of background into where you found Wi-Fi to have challenging environments to work in? Uh, sure, yeah. Well, you hit on one, the stadium stuff, the LPV. <clears throat> You know, if you think about what goes on in one of those venues, you've got the fan experience, and then you've also got the business stuff on the back in the backside, whether it be concessions or keeping the lights on or, you know, light controls for the um, fancy features in the stadium and the scoreboard and all of that. More and more, everybody wants everything to be wireless. And when you've got that kind of, um, <clears throat> I want to say noise, but I don't mean electrical noise. I don't want to start throwing out terms that are <laughs> confusing to the wireless people. But when you've got that kind of RF confusion um, going on, it can be hard to run everything on a common uh, wireless mode. So you can see where it's really appealing to say, okay, give the fans Wi-Fi, give the business side something else. And that something else, you know, we're, we're starting to uh, see that, you know, exactly what we're talking about today may be the better something else. Where you've got long range links, you know, whether we're talking about bridges or bridge like things, um, you know, anything that requires backhaul, uh, private LTE gets interesting. Um, you know, it, it, it goes on and on the, the outdoor stuff, the LPV, the uh, any place where it's going to be noisy, confusing, just lots of RF stuff going on. So much of it tends to be in the unlicensed Wi-Fi bands that um, an alternative is, you know, something that's going to be inevitable. We're kind of reaching the breaking point in a lot of ways. Yeah, I would tend to agree. We, we talk a lot about things like coverage and throughput, which are the most important things for users, because obviously if I can go fast and I can get, download that movie as quickly as possible, then I'm a happy person. However, we're starting to realize that there is a, a massive amount of interference in both bands, not just from interfering sources that are non-Wi-Fi, but from a clutter of devices that are competing for the available bandwidth. Now, Jennifer, in your job, you spend a lot of time designing large Wi-Fi deployments and things like that. Is taking into account things like IoT devices and non-Wi-Fi interference a huge part of what you do? It certainly does become first and foremost to consider um, what we used to consider almost a junk band, the 2.4, we kind of like relegated that to best efforts, but there's so many IoT things that are only 2.4 that you really have to take another hard look at how you're going to deploy in you know, the, the, the most abused uh, unlicensed Wi-Fi spectrum. Um, I think that there's some advantages certainly to the private LTE because of the um, the way that you can control the client devices, like the client devices don't get to decide. So that's gonna be very interesting going forward how that plays out.
Yeah, and I think that, like you said, when the when the band is unlicensed, anybody can make anything they want, and it doesn't matter if that baby monitor is stepping all over every available channel because what are you going to do? Fire me or find me? Nobody cares. But when we step into the realm of uh, LTE, which is a licensed technology, it is much more um, regulated, and that's actually one of the things that the people who are doing a lot of CBRS deployments, companies like Solana, have brought up is that there are not a lot of junk devices in that band. There's the incumbents, the people who were previously using that band, and then there are the people that are going to be allowed in. So it's it's clean for now, but the for now part may stretch out a lot farther simply because we don't just allow anybody in. You can't just make a, a private LTE baby monitor and it'll work. You kind of have to work out the negotiation with the people who offer the licenses for the bands and money has to change hands and things happen. So do you see private LTE as maybe an uh, like when we move from 2.4 to 5 and then eventually when we move from 5 gigahertz to 6 gigahertz, is private LTE just kind of another jump to, hey, here's a clean band that we can use for the next few years until we junk this one up too? I can see that, or I can see it being specific use cases um, where it's complementary to the unlicensed Wi-Fi. Like, is it not necessarily an overlay, but like a specific use case could make um, the most benefit of the, the advantages that private LTE offers. I don't see it as a replacement. I see it as complementary for a long time. Um, Lee, you know, working with the environments that you have worked with in the past, are there any advantages to private LTE other than this clean spectrum, like maybe coverage area or something along those lines that would be more of a, that would be something that a, a company could maybe hang their hat on? Yeah, we know for sure that you can get uh, more coverage out of less hardware, support more devices out of less infrastructure. The control mechanisms are, are you know, I don't want to say better because that Sometimes better doesn't really mean anything. If you can't take advantage of better, they're different and they can be better. Um, vehicular type applications certainly are a better fit. Wi-Fi has limits there. One of the things that um, kind of gets me a little bit more excited, you know, you mentioned that Wi-Fi has a 20 year head start. It's deeply entrenched. It's not going anywhere. So, you know, private LTE isn't going to replace it. But when you contemplate the Wi-Fi client space, it's just an utter mess in how it's evolved into consumery stuff and enterprise kind of stuff. And even though we have the 802.11 standards, and even though we have the Wi-Fi Alliance and some, um, you know, stated uh, degree of interoperability, it's still a royal mess. Hopefully, LTE is managed a lot better. You know, in its you know, when you contemplate its future, hopefully it doesn't repeat the, you know, the bad stuff that happened to Wi-Fi along the way in that regard. So that alone to me is like, it's just not as messy. It doesn't bring the baggage that Wi-Fi has. So that, that could be um, quite interesting in the days to come. One of the things you'd mentioned just a minute ago was about the frequency. And in Wi-Fi, we have unlimited, not unlimited, we have unlicensed spectrum, which anyone can share, and that causes some issues. In LTE, either the frequency is CBRS and it is um, shared in a, in a kind of lightly licensed system, or it's actual cellular and they have to buy those, that spectrum and use it. So if you move over to a private LTE, you have dedicated spectrum for you. Now, some of the issues with that is, well, there's cost, or there may be cost. The other is not all devices support LTE. 
So on a Wi-Fi, I, I could have an old iPhone 1 and it still would work. That doesn't necessarily work with all the devices you might want to put in this, this private spectrum. So there's a lot of benefits. One of the big benefits is you have way, way better SNR. As in, in Wi-Fi, I might need 25 dB SNR to get really great signal. In, and if I get down to the noise level of like neg 85, it starts to choke and not give me what I needed. In private LTE, I can get down in the 105, 110, some really, really quiet. For Wi-Fi, we couldn't even work in that area. But part of the reason that, that works for LTE is that we can use smaller channels. In Wi-Fi, we're stuck with 2040s, 80s. In LTE, we can go to some really narrow channels and give you just the amount of bandwidth that the application requires. So Jen had mentioned there's some special use cases. Those are the use cases we can look at that really make it very beneficial for the end customer to get to a private LTE. It's not necessarily for all users. It's not gonna replace Wi-Fi in schools, but it might replace the cafeteria system in a K through 12 school. So it doesn't have to compete with all the student access. Or like Lee mentioned in a large uh, private venue, large public venue, we might have our uh, little card readers to take money for the concessions on the private LTE, allowing all the fan use to go and use the Wi-Fi. And I think that's a good point that you bring up, Keith, because that's something that I think a lot of people are maybe overlooking with, with this run to private LTE, because I was a little bit confused at first when I started talking to companies and I'm like, okay, so I have a, a phone and, and I can just get on the private LTE and it'll work like Wi-Fi kind of works because I'm used to walking into a building and seeing a Wi-Fi network broadcasting and being able to join it because no matter how old it is, there's a good chance that my laptop or my iPhone will join it. And when I started talking to the company, it's like, oh yeah, well, you know, it's really easy. You have to order this package of SIM cards and then you have to pop the SIM cards into your devices and then they come up on the network and you use some provisioning. I'm like, whoa, hold on. I have to do work other than typing a password in? And they're like, well, yeah, it's LTE. And I think that maybe that's kind of one of the things you're alluding to is that there's a bigger barrier to entry to just, you know, instead of having fast, freely available Wi-Fi that you can jump on at your local coffee shop, like there's a provisioning process, it's device specific. And uh, the, honestly, a lot of the more inexpensive IoT manufacturers who can't even be bothered to put support for five or six gigahertz radios in their devices, they're definitely not going to want to put a SIM card slot and start using LTE unless there is a huge uplift a huge value to that for them so do you see this as jennifer kind of said do you see this being a complementary technology for those very specific use cases you mentioned cafeterias but even maybe more for things like digital scanners that are due to be replaced with maybe you know something simple like a an iphone or a handheld scanning device that uses lte is this something where we can get in front of the device manufacturers and say if you put this in this device we can enable this technology to make it work better I, I don't think the use cases you mentioned are really going to fit in that category. If, if I have a barcode scanner and I can make it work with Wi-Fi, if I move over to private LTE, I'm getting some dedicated throughput, but there's a cost involved. There's a cost for the chips. Chips cost more. There's a cost for to get access to the license. There's a cost for the SIM. I have to have a SIM slot built in. So for a lot of devices, um, we're going to find it. I mean, would it be nice if we could push into the, the device manufacturers to move that direction? But that's a very expensive option to move that way. I would love to see medical devices 
all move to private LTE where they could have dedicated bandwidth would be great, but they're, they're pretty tight on, on the costing. So even your phone isn't gonna work because not all phones. I can take my phone and when it goes in and I have to have two SIM slots in order to get my regular cellular on AT&T or Verizon, and then also another SIM to use that, or I'm gonna have to swap them out. And end users aren't gonna, you know, oh, I'm gonna go to Lee's basketball game and I need to swap my SIM while I'm in the, in the bowl. I don't think that's, that's realistic at all. Well, one, one uh, industry, you know, under a big umbrella heading that I can kind of see taking advantage is, um, you know, all things transportation. I can picture airports being a great fit for this sort of thing. The, the operations, you know, again, back to the challenges of Wi-Fi and the, the chaos of RF and all of that, airports and port operations, places where that radio line of sight and the traditional challenges of, you know, designing Wi-Fi, a lot of those are kind of, um, you know, somewhat addressed by, you know, the designs needed for LTE and CBRS and all of that are just, you know, again, back to the point of not as much hardware needed to support as many clients, et cetera. You know, so I can see even railroad um, type stuff for that, for that matter. I can see a, um, you know, different classes of, you know, devices that we're all used to, you know, the, uh, the whatever, the airport edition, the, the, you know, call it ruggedized, whatever you want to call it. You know, you've got your typical uh, tablets that we all work on, and then you've got these oddball things um, that come equipped to take advantage of all of this in these oddball environments, you know, even industry and production facilities. And um, if you follow, you know, what's been going on, they're already doing it in Europe and a lot of the car manufacturing uh, places, they've been at the forefront of this sort of thing. And so it does seem like, you know, special cases, at least for now, kind of are, I don't want to say the rule, but because I know more people are um, interested, but it's easy to let your mind go to all of the special cases, at least for me, and a little bit harder to reconcile, you know, how it fits into places where Wi-Fi right now um, is the incumbent and will be for quite a while. Thanks, Lee. I just wanted to, to reinforce something that Jen said. It is definitely complementary. It's not competitive. It's competitive in the sense that as an end user, you might use one or the other, but they address different issues. So uh, complementary is probably the best term I've heard used to de describe private LTE. Yeah, I can see private LTE um, totally fitting into fleet vehicles, fire, safety, police, public buses, all of the places where they have mobile routers now and they do the, you know, the security camera footage on the bus or in the car, what have you, that gets uploaded when they come back to the HQ. All of that could be easily um, replaced. The Wi-Fi stuff could easily be replaced with a private LTE solution in, in mobile vehicles for sure. Yeah, I will say I find it a disservice when you see the, um, and I've sat in on a couple of them, <clears throat> where you see the um, different Wi-Fi vendors or anybody doing these panel discussions about, you know, one is better than the other. One will win. This is a, some kind of cage fight where a victor absolutely has to emerge and, you know, each one makes his case for why they're going to be the only one standing at the end of the day. And it, it just gets, you know, silly. We're here to talk about why LTE won't replace Wi-Fi. I dare say it's 
kind of just common sense. So when you hear the talking heads saying anything different, it's just irritating. <laughs> One man's opinion. I also hear people talking about 5G versus Wi-Fi and then or 5G versus private. They're all complementary. They all bring something different to the table. They have different cost structures, different equipment, different distances, different SNRs. And depending on your use case, one fits your needs better. Yeah, very much so. You can, you know, you can also look at Wi-Fi versus Ethernet. Wi-Fi hasn't displaced Ethernet. It certainly changed, you know, how Ethernet is used and where it's most appropriate and all of that. But Ethernet isn't going anywhere for the because you know, Wi-Fi needs future. it. <laughs> well, certainly, but I mean as an access mechanism. But yeah, you're absolutely right, John. Yeah, I think that the people who are trying to make uh, technology vendors and influencers pick one of the horses in this race are the kinds of people that want to make one decision and stick with it for the rest of their careers and then be able to point back and say, boy, did I pick the right horse. And if you're someone who picked uh, something like ATM Lane back in the day, or possibly something like OpenFlow and said, this is my one decision that I'm going to make, you probably know how well that worked out for you. So I, I would agree with, with each of you that every technology that we've discussed, whether it's private LTE, whether it's 5G with Open RAN or some other flavor, or Wi-Fi in whatever form it's going to take, Wi-Fi 6, Wi-Fi 6E, Everything has its own specific use case, something that it is very good at, something that needs to be improved. And those improvement areas are where we can collaborate and work together. You don't have to just buy devices that have SIM card slots and you can't use Wi-Fi with them. You don't have to buy devices that just have uh, wireless capabilities and, or Wi-Fi capabilities and nothing else. That's the beauty of the technology is you have choices, but it also means that you have to investigate those choices. You need to make sure that you know what your use case looks like. You need to make sure to engage your local favorite wireless professional to do a design and a survey to figure out what works best for you. Because these are the folks who have spent all of their time investigating the technologies, understanding the pros and cons, and figuring out how to make the most effective deployment of the technology so that your users spend more time being productive and less time complaining to you about why the Wi-Fi doesn't work. All right, well, that will just about do it for today's episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable. I want to thank you each of our guests for joining us. You can always check out the latest episode of this podcast by going to our website at gestaltit.com slash podcast. You can also find us in your favorite podcast application of choice, as well as on iTunes. If you find us on iTunes, leave us a rating and a review. Tell other folks what you enjoy about the On-Premise IT Roundtable, and that should help them decide to be a subscriber here as well. We should be joining you again very soon with another great episode. If you have any episode ideas that you would like to share with us or possibly even some premises that you would like to see us debate, please make sure you hit us up on Twitter. We're at Gestalt IT. Let us know what you want to hear about and we will work it into a future show. But for now, for myself, Tom Hollingsworth, for the family here at Gestalt IT and for all of the people in the wireless and IT, enterprise IT community, thanks for joining in and we will talk to you again soon. <laughs>